This is episode number 195 of the Rising Man podcast with Sean Gala. The most important leaders are the ones who do not desire power, but claim it because that's their job. Welcome back, Rising Man family. Thanks for joining me here today for another episode of the Rising Man podcast. My name is Jedi Azuma. If you don't know by now, I'm the founder of the Rising Man movement, and it's an honor to be here again for another amazing episode. Before I introduce my guest for today, I want to remind all of you to head over to risingman.org backslash ignite. This is our 12-week online power course to help you, yes, you, every single man out there, establish a concrete foundation for your life finally get clear on your values, finally establish a vision for yourself, and put together a bulletproof strategy to help you execute it. Ignite is the compilation of the best of the best work I've encountered over the past 10 years, and it's available for you today. So if you're looking for a way to jump into the Rising Man community, head over to risingman.org ignite and get yourself registered today. All right. Today's guest is Sean Gala. Sean has been facilitating men's groups for over 10 years. He's lived an inspiring, unconventional life as an individual that relentlessly pursues his passions and dreams, including living in a surf town in Mexico for six years, professional DJing for 10 years across North America and Europe, visiting 37 countries, building up and selling multiple businesses, overcoming his addictions and chronic health issues, and the list goes on. Sean is the founder of mensgroups.com. Sean accepts the role he plays in making men's work more accessible to every man. In this episode, Sean and I dropped into some powerful topics of conversation. One of the first things Sean dropped is that change is the only constant. If we are not learning how to adapt, how to mold with the curveballs that life pitches our way, then we're destined for failure. So we talked about that and what that means. Sean also dropped in the concept that people are blissfully unaware of the impact that community can have. We talked about the power of men's groups and men's communities that have that we've experienced over the past several years of our lives and why we're both so passionate about bringing that available, making that available to more men across the world. We talked about emotions and leadership and how you can still be the rock in your relationship and in your community and your family, but also be emotionally available to have your processing. We talked about men's coaches and leaders in the space who don't bring their vulnerability and the risk of allowing the ego to run the show. Sean also dropped that his, his belief that your vocation chooses you and you got to check in with yourself if you're doing it for the right reasons. Last but not least, Sean and I talked about a recognition of self, recognizing your skill set and really putting your gifts to use. Not trying to be something that you're not, but really just being who you are. This and so much more without further ado, Sean Gala. All right, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that jam-packed episode. Please check out risingman.org for all the opportunities we have for you to get more involved and links and resources for this episode and every episode of the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to us and give us a subscribe over at the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. Big ups to the whole Rising Man community, all you guys who've been tuning in, whether it's your first episode or your 300th episode. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for everything you do to keep this movement moving. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny. Rising Man family, I've got another amazing guest here joining me today, all the way from Squamish up in BC, British Columbia, north of the border, Sean Gala. Great to have you, man. 
Oh, thanks, Jetty. Appreciate it, man. I'm excited to have you here. You're, uh, we were connected through uh, another guest who's been on the show before, Joe DeRoma. So shout out to Joe. And yeah, man, you've been in the game doing men's work, involved in men's circles for how many years now, would you say? Well, I've been doing it for work for over 10 years now. I'm more, probably more like 12, but I've been a part of men's circles for probably even five or seven years before that. Cool. Wow. Yeah. Like informal ones, like kind of just groups of guys that banded together to tackle a challenge together in life with it. We didn't even call it a men's group, but I've been doing that stuff since I was in my early twenties. Yeah. It's amazing how there's like a knowing inside of us that, that says there's something good about this, just getting together and starting to talk openly. Yeah, definitely. For me, it came from like playing team sports when I was growing up. So I, I, I played uh, a lot of hockey and my favorite part was just like going to battle with the guys. And then after they'd talk about their lives in the dressing room and I saw the same thing happening with my dad and his friends. And that was the only time they'd actually talk about their lives and share what's actually going on. And I just really liked that. And so when I went out into the world and then ran into my own adversities, it's like, I think I just naturally gravitated towards that. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Let's let's keep going with that for a second because yeah. I, I played team sports my whole life growing up too, so, and cool. so there's a, there's a, I can see a little bit of a parallel here. Yeah, and I'm interested in why the, I don't want to call it a phenomena, but why men, just ordinary guys, would would open up after a game or a practice. What, what do you what do you think is the common thread there that opened that door? Yeah. It's such a great question because I've seen it a lot. Um, so the last men's group I did before mensgroup.com, which I'm doing now, that only started a couple of years ago, but I ran this men's group called The Brotherhood, which is for entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial men, because I was an entrepreneur. And we did adventure trips. So we go highly skiing, skydiving, surfing, mm-hmm. wilderness survival training, yoga retreats, and golf trips and all sorts of stuff. And I just noticed that men really bond over shared experience. And I think that's from a long history of going to hunt together, mm. going to war together, building houses together, working the farms together. You know, I think that's just hardwired in us. What do you think? Uh, well, I just pictured, it's funny. I, I see things like in images. So I was just picturing a bunch of guys playing hockey together, getting sweaty, getting their teeth bashed out and being in the locker room afterwards. And, you know, if, if it was a loss, there can be a heaviness in the locker room, but especially after a win or just in general, there's a sense of, well, you know what? We got through that one and everyone's okay. Right. Everyone, everyone finished the game with their heads still on their shoulders and we get to go back home to our families. There's something about, like you said, that crucible that we go through, the, the battle and surviving the battle and coming out on the other side that I, I think it strips away a lot of the layers of armoring that usually mask the vulnerability that's underneath. Because I believe that every single one of us wants to speak more about life and our experiences, but there's obviously the conditioning and programming that teaches us not to. So something like skydiving or wilderness survival that strips that away naturally opens up, oh, it makes it much more accessible. Yeah, it does. And especially in sports, it seems like that's just one of the ways that men feel one of the few socially acceptable places where men can feel things. And that's why you see when you see guys win championships, they cry. And it's like, that's a, that's a beautiful thing that's celebrated. But yeah, I really think it's like just this feeling of like, yeah, going to battle with a guy, sharing experience with a guy and just building trust through that trust. And I just think that's like, I think that's come probably hardwired from like 2 million years of men hunting together, essentially in tribes and stuff, you know? Uh, well, see, that's the word, right? That's the key right there. As soon as there's a layer of trust, it, it opens up territory that oftentimes goes un, unexplored especially in, in yeah. circles of men. And what better way to trust another man than to go to battle with him, whether it's a hockey game or going out hunting or in, in a lot of the context I spend time in, just being in a room with guys and, and the first man who's vulnerable enough to share something deep that 
40 other guys in the room can relate to and raise their hand mm-hmm. and say, man, I've been through that same thing. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's like, it's like you could see the armor just falling off every single time someone is willing to own a piece of their truth and have other men relate to it. Yeah, man, I can relate to that because like, that's the biggest sort of surprise for me. And when I started running men's groups was that even these really successful entrepreneur guys, and these guys have gone on to like, they are some of the biggest podcasts that we listen to, or they're on TV shows that we watch, or they've written books that, you know, are bestsellers that we've all read. And like, they want to talk about their life. Like every, every guy I've run into wants, wants to talk about it. He's just scared to, right. And so we found the same thing in our groups very, very early on. I recognized the pattern that like, Hey, if I get a guy to share, if I do some background work, like sniffing around to see who has like a vulnerable personal issue that like the other guys could relate to, if I could stage it and get him to go first or early on in the circle, that would let everybody else's guard down. And then, and then many other men in the circle would share equally sensitive matters. Mm. And it just worked like a charm mm. every time. And it still works in men's group today. Yeah. There's just an ease. It's like, you see a guy share something and you see him not getting ridiculed and it's like, oh, okay. I can do the same thing and I'm not going to be seen as weak. I'm not going to be judged as gay. I'm not going to be, you know, called a pussy or whatever, you know, the, that, the dogmatic languages that people used to use. Yeah. So I've seen that same thing too, man. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I noticed something in, in your language and I, I find that I do the same thing too. So I want to open it up a little bit. You said, uh, you said even successful entrepreneurs want to talk about their lives. And I thought that was interesting yeah. as, as though they, they wouldn't or they shouldn't because they're quote unquote successful. What, what do you think that, because I don't think that's a belief that, you, that you'd that have or that other, I think it's what a lot of people think is, well, you got your shit all put together on the surface. So why would you have anything to talk about? Yeah, like it's funny, right? Like you wouldn't think that a men's group for entrepreneurs would be like a thing that would be needed mm. like for successful men. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that they, yes, they've been able to plow through life and like build these impressive things. And some of them are like incredibly successful in many areas of their life. They have great relationship, you know, great kids and great wealth and a great public persona. But like, it's almost like they have even more to, to fear there because they have more to lose, mm, you know, yeah. and more to be judged around and, and, and more people will find out than the average guy who doesn't have a following of 2 million followers on YouTube or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And they're, they're, they're I say even successful guys, yeah, there's just this impression from myself growing up and also from a lot of guys that come to men's group that like successful people don't have the same problems that I have, right. you know? Mm. Yeah. The grass is always greener, right? I, I, I wish yeah. I could have his problems. I wish I had more money than I knew what to do with, but the reality is, is that everybody's got something and we're really not that far apart as we, as we make ourselves out to be. Yeah. And then the ironic thing about it is that those guys who are super successful, when you really dig into it, it turns out they might not actually be doing it for the best reasons. Like, like the guys that are really in control of their lives and are really successful. Often when you dig into it, it comes from a place of deep fear, mm. like coming from their childhood or whatever, you know? And, and also the other interesting thing I observed is that these guys have the same personal issues as a guy who's working at McDonald's mm. because most of the issues we run into are interpersonal or emotional or with boundaries or with family, you know? And so it's like, it's just the same across every everyone. Doesn't matter what you look like or how successful you are, or where you come from. Totally, man. That the men's team that I spent the longest amount of time on. I was on a team for eight years down in Santa Barbara, and most of the men that were on that team were twice my age. In fact, they had sons who were almost my age, and it was a great experience because these guys have been doing this work for some of them for almost two decades, and 
and oh, I, yeah. it was it was like I got to sit in a council of mentors for eight years just figuring this stuff wow. out for myself. And uh, yeah. one of the things I always remember, and I, I do my best to share that with guys who don't have that same experience, is they would always talk about how ununique we are. In fact, they they would often like satirize <laughs> it, like, "Oh, look at you thinking you're so unique." You want to look around yeah, the circle totally. here and ask these men if they've ever experienced that? Do you want to ask these guys if they're afraid of that? what you just said? And yeah. it's it's so true, man. Just what you said, that we're really not different than each other. We got different details, but it's the same storyline. Different context, but it's really like the big five, right? It's like romantic relationships, career and purpose, and you know whatever else. And mensgroup.com, which, I'm now working, which I've been working on now, I created that to make it more accessible because, yeah, taking entrepreneurs on adventure trips is great. And... It was nice hanging out with successful guys, but like, what about the guys who are mm. working jobs or what about the guys who are in a little town that can't make it out to an adventure trip? So that's why we launched the the men's groups online thing and it's going really well. But one of the fascinating things for me beyond the like different levels of income or different backgrounds or different sexual preferences or whatever is like, we got guys from calling in from like these different places in India or like Shanghai mm-hmm. or, uh, or Chile or South Africa or like yeah, Kenya or you know Europe and they they all have the same issues. <laughs> so that again just showed me okay now we're all we're all running the same race here. Some people just have a better facade than others and mm-hmm. you know that is what it is. Yeah man. Uh, so let, let's let's back let's take a half step back. I always like to ask this question and get see what everybody's perspective is on it. So what does it mean to be a man? It's funny. I get asked that on these things a lot. And I don't, I don't actually think about that too much. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like that's almost like for me, almost like an academic concept. And I know it's really important to a lot of people, but I'm like, my only experience of being a man is like, okay, I've got a deeper voice and I like to hit things in sports. <laughs> I don't know. I like playing the role of provider somewhat. You know, I like being the rock both emotionally and physically for my partner. So for me being a man, if I had to define what the most manly quality I think is, because that's maybe a better way to answer the question. What do I think is the most attractive quality in a man or the the trait that I would encourage men to pursue is like being the emotional rock, like being emotionally solid, being the mountaintop that people can, you know, do the chaos thing around, the, the storm can run around. Like the more emotionally unfazable I am, the more masculine I seem to show up in the world mm-hmm. in like a positive way, not like a toxic masculinity way. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was just a process of really digging into my feelings and crying a lot of past stuff out and stuff like that. And the more I do that, the more I let myself feel stuff, I'm less triggered in the moment by people and situations around me. And I feel like that is being a man is like being solid yeah. with yourself, with the things that are going on around you. Yeah. Let's, let's bookmark emotions and leadership and being the rock for a yeah. second. Cause I really like that topic. Fantastic. Uh, what I want to acknowledge is just the, the individual nature of your response. You know, to, when I asked you, what does it mean to be a man? I love that you didn't give like a textbook academic response of this is what it is. Cause I, my personal belief and why I like asking this question is because I think every one of us gets to define what that is for ourselves. That yeah. to be a man is to, is to claim it. You know, I've, I've been in workshops where there were folks who were, who were born female, genetically female, and, you know, through the process of their life and unfolding now identify as, as a man. And who am I to say that you're not a man to me that there's a difference between being a man, being a male, and then the word masculine, which a lot of people like to talk about too. So for me, it's very personal. Like, what does it mean to be a man? And really the, the suggestion is not in that is to you. <laughs> what does it mean to be a man to you for you? Or yeah. if we ask 10 guys, yeah. we might get 10 different answers based on how they've chosen to live their lives. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. I like that our, our sort of um, approaches or theories around this philosophies around this align. And, you know, you think there'd be like a lot of like 
men focus in like something like a men's group, right? Like mensgroup.com. Wow. We're talking about a lot about what it's like to be a man or men or, but what I've seen is that guys just want to talk about their, their individual issues they're facing right now. And often that doesn't have anything to do with them being a man. And I'm sure that women, you know, experience or transgender people or whatever experience like similar, you know, life situations and challenges. So I've just over the years begun to think about this stuff as like an individual personal growth journey more than like something for a man, you know, or so I actually, we talk about, and, and I think about very little about masculinity and men and, and uh, a lot of people are surprised to hear that. Yeah. It's funny because I, I've been doing the podcast since the end of 2017 and that was what I started off with. I was like, I want to find out what people think it means to be a man and just explore yes. that, you know, my own yeah. personal curiosity. And I've come to a very yeah. similar conclusion as you early on. I recognized, okay, we got to make a distinction between some of these words that are often clustered together. Number one. Mm. So that's been its own unfolding. Mm, and cool. I've, I've had a lot of people approach me over the years who are non-binary, who are queer, who are otherwise identifying than I guess the, the traditional male, female gender assignments and asking me, well, why aren't you making this available to people like me? And it's, it's always an interesting question. Cause I, I mean, obviously there's still some utility to it. Otherwise you would have named it groups.com instead of or hu- yes. human groups.com or, and Everybody it would be or the rising <laughs> humans, right? We'd, we'd be something yeah, yeah, different. Totally. Yeah. So I'm interested in what that is for you. Obviously I'll, I'll speak my piece, but I want to hear what your thoughts are. Why do we still do that? I try to, especially with like businesses, whether they're like socially beneficial or not, like, I just learned over the years that like to try to accept reality as much as I can. And when I do that and I work with reality that like, that's when I can have the most impact on the world and, and things seem to work. And so one of the realities that I experienced early on in my life, and I've continued to observe during this day is that, you know, how we were talking about men, men being scared to share and they need, they need another guy in the room to like share at first a lot of the time. I've noticed a similar pattern in men being around women. Mm. So when men have been, I've been in situations where we're out for dinner with a group of guys in our men's group, and then a beautiful girl just happens to walk by that I know or somebody else knows. And then all of a sudden the conversation goes from real to like guys with their chest puffed out and like, you know, and, and it's not their fault because it's by a lot, it is biologically hardwired in us, you know, to, to try to attract a mate mm-hmm. and just want to look good in front of other people. And I think that is especially I've observed that true between those at least old school genders, you know, the, the men and the uh, men and women. Mm-hmm. And so I've just observed over the years that like men having a much easier time opening up when there is not women in the room. Mm. And so how that applies to non-binary people, I, I don't know the answer to that yet. We have folks in our men's groups that are transgendered, you know, who are gay. We have men's group leaders who are gay, um, who are, or who are married to transgender people. So like, you know, we're cool with all that, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. Well, I, I think that there's still a a generation of humans who identify as men. There's like a, there's a storyline about men. There's a, there's a narrative mm-hmm. that has been, I think of it as a legacy narrative about, about men, you know, about how we've been, about who we are, about how we're going to be in the world. And I think that there's still something that is very bonding, you know, going back to what you said before about how it just kind of happens in the locker room and in other certain spaces, uh, given that context. So I think there's, there is like a, an innate biological sense of brotherhood of camaraderie of we're in this together. And I think people who identify as men still rally behind that 
we are men, you know, we are brothers. There's, there's something to it. I have this conversation with women too, because they see some of the stuff we're doing. They're like, I want to do that. Where's the rising woman for that? Or where's the, you know, sister organization. And I'll just say it's been an interesting reflection point for me. Cause sometimes I'll, I'll, I always like looking at the other side. Why? Well, why not? Why aren't we doing something like this for women? What really is the difference at the end of the day? I just still think that there's something that is, that is still profound and useful for for men who identify as men to gather in that kind of way. Yeah, we, you know, both you and I have spotted an opportunity to help men grow and create happier happier families and and homes and all these things I wish that I had grown up, you know. And so like, yeah, I, I would hope that one day like those traditional gender norms will continue to you know, they'll continue to change and it won't be so rigid, but like for now, like the majority of the population, at least in places like America, you know, are they still following those gender norms. And so, you know, as long as guys seem to be finding benefit in what we're doing, then, um, you know, we'll keep doing it this way. But, uh, you know, I, I would hope that things would change over time. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Let's go back to, let's pull that bookmark out. Let's go back to emotions and leadership. One of the right. things that I've gotten from certain men's spaces I've been in is that part of the role of, of the man or the masculine is to be the rock, to be the lighthouse in the storm, to be the one who can dig his feet into the ground and be the central anchor point for his family, his community, whoever's depending on him. So uh, tell me a little bit more about your perspective on that. And also, do you think that that's a role that is purely reserved for men? Yeah, it's a great question. And again, it comes back to me for the individual. Like, I'm just somebody that likes playing that role. And you can, yeah, sure, some some people can make the case that that's because I grew up in a house with traditional gender roles and it might be toxic or whatever. But I just feel like I like I like being a man. I like opening doors for women and 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 uh, friends. And I like I like I like having a deep voice and broad shoulders and a big chest or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So I just I just I just really enjoy being like that. Now I enjoy holding the emotional container for my partner who's more feminine and flowy and and more emotional more, more emotionally fluid than than uh, I am that being said though I'm a very emotional man myself I'm very sensitive otherwise I wouldn't be doing men's groups in the first place right and so sure. so for me those those things aren't opposed like I can I can be the rock for my partner and for people around me and be unfazable emotionally just be good with myself while still experiencing my emotions regularly you know, letting myself feel things. And I think that people, uh, a lot of men especially feel like those things are mutually exclusive. Oh, I need to be tough all the time. That's not what emotional stability is. It, it's just like being there for people when they need it, not getting triggered by day-to-day things, taking things personally that aren't about you, you know? And and so for me, it's just been a process of really working on my emotions so that I can show up for people, other people better. Beautiful, man. So I- I don't want to assume what your response is going to be. So I'll just ask it. Where do you go to do that work? Right. Because there's there's the emotionally grounded and stable version of ourselves that gets to be there for other people. Right. I think of, you know, the emotional leader in the room is the one who's the least phased, who's got his feet dug in the deepest. Right. It doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. dug in all the way to the Earth's core, but at least deeper than everybody else in the room. So. Aside from times like those, like you said, we're sensitive people, too. We're human beings. We have emotions. Where do you. Where, where do you work on those emotions? Where do you go to process that? Yeah, it's a great question, man. And I just want to asterisk on the last conversation we were having just about like, what do you think about that role for men of being the emotional rock and stuff? I also did, did, I also learned the hard way that like, I don't do well with a partner where that's that's my only role and they don't do that for me. So even though my partner is feminine and very flowy mm. and is more of this, the emotional storm than I am, like 
she can still hold space for me too when I need it. And that's really nice. And it's something that I haven't, I haven't found many partners in the past. Yeah. Where do I go to do my work? It's a question that took me, you know, probably 15 years to figure it out. And I've tried seminars and books and journaling and sound healings and explored all sorts of kooky looking things and, and all sorts of stuff. And, and some of it was very beneficial and others weren't. The things that um, really moved the needle for me though, and I see them actually having a good impact in men's group as well, were number one, somatic meditation, mm. somatic therapy, somatic experiencing, just basically like when you're triggered or when you feel anything, step away from the situation, breathe into your body, just be present with those feelings, hang out with them, explore whether where they are in your body, are they moving? What does it feel like? And if I if I did that enough, I would just like it would start to come out like, oh wow, I feel like crying right now. I, that that's strange. I didn't expect to cry. Okay, let's let's encourage this. Good. Like the more I sat down and did that, it felt like it was a it was a pressure cookie before in my body, my emotional body. And the more and more I did that, even if it wasn't tears, even if I just felt it a little bit. It would release that pressure more and more and more mm-hmm. until the well is, you know, cleared out essentially. Mm-hmm. So somatic meditation was number one for me. And I had a coach like lead me into it in the beginning because I couldn't cry because mm-hmm. it had been 10 years, you know, wow. of not crying. Mm-hmm. And so I had to have somebody really help lead me into it. So there's lots of somatic meditation coaches or courses. Journaling has always been helpful for me to like break things apart. Like when adversity happens, it can often be quite you know, confusing. There's lots of moving parts. So, you know, mind mapping stuff apart to understand what's story here, what's actual fact, what I'm responsible for, what I'm not. That's been really useful. Mm. I'd say that I'm somebody who grew up as a professional DJ, but I never did drugs and I didn't even drink that much. But the thing I've played with lately is psychedelics, particularly mushrooms. And that's been quite good for me getting into some emotional stuff around family, around my father, around anxiety or whatever that and that's been actually quite beneficial over the last couple of years as well so those are the tools that i've been really relying on to do my own emotional work so i can show up well for other people yeah that's great man those are some wonderful modalities and i've experienced many of the ones that you mentioned and i can also Mm. testify to them and and the the use of them the 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 theme that i hear in it that i think is really powerful is that you you know, as a, as a man who's led, who knows how many, how many men you've led over the years or been responsible for, you still go out and get help. You know, you had a, you had a somatic meditation coach. I don't know if that's the terminology or, or, and, and I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. You've had, you've had people who've helped you out, people who've helped you and supported you and guided you and that, that we're not because we're men who are used to or accustomed to and being in positions where we lead other men that we still need that too, that we still need those spaces where we can go. Yeah. And it's a shame that it's become this like stigma, like, oh, man, can't re- reach out for help? Because to me, it feels like and it's no different from asking a mechanic to fix your car, you know, or mm-hmm. like uh, an accountant to do your taxes or whatever. It's like, oh, I have this challenge that I've run into. I have no experience in this. And that is the nature of life, right? The only thing that doesn't change is change. So you're going to find yourself in new territory all the time. So like, isn't it reasonable that you you want to ask somebody for some counsel? Like that's and the only reason why people on the flip side, the only reason why people don't is because they're, they're too scared of their own feelings, which kind of feels like cowardice. So the whole thing to me, the more masculine avenue is to be like, well, well, shit, I don't like how I'm communicating with my partner. I'm really triggered about this thing. What am I so angry about? Maybe I should talk to somebody about that. Maybe I shouldn't read a book on that. Maybe I should listen to the podcast on that. Fixing that thing and then coming back an even stronger man. Like that's just, 
that is the masculine move, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. And I, I have to get, I have to call myself on it all the time. And mostly because I get, I, I have guys in my community who will call me on that too. In, in some of the leadership coaching programs that we do, the group coaching programs, we've uh, consistently, I get feedback that guys are like, Hey, it's, you're, you're an awesome leader, but I wish I would see more of the, the challenges that you're going through. Cause I, mm. cause I, I get in this mode of being a leader, being of service, showing up, being the mirror for other guys. And I get support from men outside of my community for the most part. You know, I get support from guys I've known for a long time and guys in the community, they don't really get to see that. So I don't know, maybe you have a similar experience, but ever since guys start in our community started to reveal that to me, I said, well, you know, there's actually, there's obviously I'm, I'm, I know I'm taking care of myself by getting support from where I get support from. And I think there's also a lot of value and benefit from guys seeing that, well, even the leader can be vulnerable here. Even the leader right now, the guy that we're paying money to lead us and and to guide us and entrusting our lives with is able to be vulnerable in a certain context that builds trust, but doesn't break it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. And it's something that I need to inject more into the men's group community because it's grown so quickly Mm. that in the beginning I was running all the men's groups and like I got to share my personal stories because I know that's beneficial in group lately as I as I oversee the whole thing and continue to work on growing the organization and bringing more value to the members. Like I don't do that as much. So that's a good reminder. Mm. But the reality is, is right now, like I'm overwhelmed by the projects I'm going on. Oh, they're yeah. all they're all very they're all very positive, but like I'm overwhelmed. As a result of that overwhelm, I'm falling back into old old habits, which is kind of binge eating junk food, mm. which has always been an addiction of mine. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm constantly trying to manage my communication with my partner since I'm stressed and haven't been sleeping well. And, you know, so like, yeah, there's always stuff going on. Mm. There's always stuff I'm, I'm trying to improve upon. And I'm talking about with my men's group, you know, I love that, man. Let, let's, let's keep chasing this rabbit down the hole a little bit because yeah. I know for yeah. myself, um, one of the things we do in, in our group coaching programs is we always ask guys to give something up. Our programs are 12 weeks long. So we always say, okay, what's the one thing that's really got a hold of you? That's really that you're giving all your power away to, whether it's weed, smoking, drinking, you know, social media, whatever it is. And we yeah. all give it up. And for, for me, it's, it's always a powerful moment to say, to, to, jump in with those guys and say, look, I got stuff too. <laughs> you know, the past, the thing that's really got me right now is watching Netflix late at night. I don't, I don't get enough sleep and too, I don't wake up early, but yeah, man, I'm, and I'm in the middle of a, of leading a course right now. And that's the thing that I gave up. And it's, it's great because it, I, I get to be in it with the guys, which I know that there's other men in other organizations who do that too. And I really respect that when I'm being led by somebody, I love seeing the leader put skin in the game first. Yes. But I also think there's organizations that don't do that. And I don't know all of them, so I don't want to pass judgment on it. But I know that there's also like with branding of men's work and making businesses out of men's work these days. I think that there's some guys who kind of distance themselves from that. I don't know if you see the same thing. I do. And uh, it's a bit of a funny, I'm just going to be honest with you because that's who I am. Like, one of the few downsides to being in this space is I've been really surprised by how many guys that lead men's groups or organizations or who do coaching for men, like that are like inject their own ego into it, you know, and are, are not the best communicators around stuff themselves and, and just get kind of dramatic, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. with, with these, these subjects. So, yeah, I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of guys that, think that they're injecting themselves in ways that help other guys that don't, mm, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. give you a quick, funny story as an example, because yeah. uh, people like this one. Yeah. So like I was part of the reason why I started mensgroup.com is because I, I got sick, right. I got bit by a tick on a surf trip and I got Lyme disease. Mm. 
So I couldn't work. I was in bed. So I ended up selling, I ended up selling the men's group I ran for entrepreneurs to my, my best friend at the time, who was my partner. So I have a couple of years off to explore things. I'm going to attend men's groups for my own reasons here where I live in Squamish. And this, I, there's only one local men's group and I go there and this guy is there and he's leading the group and he's one of the biggest guys I've ever seen in person. He's got to be close to 300 pounds, which is fine. There's no judgment around that, but it's like, okay, you got, so, you got some work to do there. He's on his third divorce. Okay. Okay. Interesting. You know, and then he gets up in front of the room and so he's, he's, he's struggling big time, which is like cool because a leader does not need to be not struggling, right? That's fine. Mm-hmm. Then he gets up in front of the room and he starts talking about how great he is and how the circle, how great the circle is. And he shows some pictures that he's drawn of hearts circling and it's hearts and squares and stuff and these, these theories and philosophies that he has. Meanwhile, the guy beside me, this old guy who's shown up for the first time, looks like he's about to explode. And I can't figure out why, but it really looks like he needs to talk. And and I so this coach rambles on about his own theories and philosophies and himself for like an hour. And then we finally get a chance to go around the room and talk as men. And we finally get this guy. And it turns out he just watched his dad get dragged over the side of his family fishing boat in a net and drowned to death while oh he was God. on board. Jeez. And so like this guy needs to talk. And here's this men's group leader kind of rambling and spouting on about his own, his own bullshit. So yeah, um, a lot of guys don't have the awareness that I would hope they would have in leading men in that way. And, and a lot of guys don't communicate very well around it. So yeah, I'm, I, I share, I share your view. I'm like, yeah, I'm always surprised by it a little bit. I think it's a little ironic. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I also, I try to catch myself in that too. Cause I also, for guys who are, I think that every, every man in his heart of hearts genuinely is, has good intentions. And so I'm sure yes. that everyone out there I actually did a podcast episode on this a few, a few Mondays ago where I was talking about, you know, not every man who wants to lead men has to start his own men's organization. I was, no. I was, this, I was talking to one of my buddies who actually has his own men's organization. And we were, I was like, man, how many different ways can guys use the word man to start a new thing? And, and what's actually at the heart of that? I understand the irony of it because I'm one of those guys. Like I'll raise my hand first and say so. But how many of those guys are doing it because they, it's like you said, it's wrapped in ego. I need to distinguish myself. I need to do or it identity. my way. Yeah. Ident- identity. Identity. Like, yeah, it's a significance, yeah. right? How, how many of, how many times is that happening? And what does that take away from what they actually could be providing in the space? Yeah, totally. And like, you know, at this point in my life, after being like exploring career a lot as an entrepreneur, having failed businesses and starting new projects, it's like, I've had to think a lot about career and vocation. And, and I feel like vocation chooses you, you know, it's like, we try to force, Oh, I want to do this thing. I want to be in men's work. Right. Mm. And you see guys, their identity is like a spiritual warrior, bro. Like this is what they do as men's work. And that's all they do. They don't have anything else. And I think that's cool. And I used to really look up to that, but now now, now I'm like, I don't know, or is there the, you're, are you, I think it's great that you're having an impact, but like, are you doing it for the right reasons? For me, like the only reason why I'm doing this is because like, I didn't want to do men's group again mm-hmm. after I sold the last one. I was like, I don't, I want to do something lighter and easier. The reason why I ended up back in this is because my nature, my unique gifts and skill sets are perfectly built for this kind of a thing. That's not tooting in my, my own horn because I can't do anything else in the world. That's why I never had a job. <laughs> like I'm really socially sensitive. I pick up on cues, which is really important when leading men's groups. I, I, people just seem to open up to me, whether it's on the bus or at, at the grocery store. Like People share their shit with me and be crying in a few minutes. It's, my girlfriend thinks it's hilarious. Like I should, probably should have been a counselor. So like... I'm doing this because I, it's just my, it's in my nature. I can't not, it's almost like a disease. Mm. But for a lot of guys, I think they're getting into it because what men's group feels sexy to them, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I don't know what you think about that. Oh, I mean, I totally agree with you, man. And I think that that's actually, that's that's something, the, the type of confidence that I really admire in leaders mm-hmm. is when... For example, I'm, I'm all, here's a good parallel. I, I participate in the Native American church, so traditional awesome. indigenous ceremonies. Uh, I spent a lot of time around that. And there's a legacy of passing along the specific ceremonies from one generation to another, you know, kind of like yes. old apprenticeship style. So whoever was the, the the holy person in a community before he or she passed away, they'd give it to someone in the next generation, right? Yeah. And so you know, that especially nowadays with so many medicine ceremonies happening and plant medicines everywhere, it's gotten skewed a little bit. And I think some people end up conducting these ceremonies and they're, they're taking it on for, for similar reasons like you just described, right? It's like, it's, it's fueling the ego or there's still some, how can this benefit me? How can I leverage the power and authority I have for conducting a ceremony like this for my desires and my gains? What I yeah. really trust in somebody who is a holy man or a holy woman in those ways is when they're like, I really don't want the responsibility of doing this because yeah. <laughs> I know how big of a deal it is. And yet I will, I will do it and say yes, because I must, I'm compelled to, it's, it's like, it's, I was, I was made for this. I don't want it. I don't want the responsibility because I recognize how big it is, but I'll take it on because that's what I'm here to do. I've had people tease me about being, Oh, this is like the Sean show. It's like your name, your face is on the website and the video. And I'm like, I would rather have somebody else there. I don't want to be, I don't really want to be doing this. I have to do it. And unfortunately right now, I just seem to be a good example a good approachable example of a man who's like working on himself in like a non floofy, um, non polarizing way. Mm. So like, I just seem to, so I'm a good, I've been told I need to do this, but like, and be on these podcasts and stuff and, and, and making it seem approachable to men. But like, I don't want to be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's difficult. There's a lot of easier ways to make money. It sounds funny, but I don't like tell people that I do men's groups. I just kind of like live my life like any other guy, but this is just the work that I'm sort of, made for and that's the impact i want to have because of my childhood and you know and an alcoholic father who was kind of emotionally abusive and and stuff like that like like every time i talk about that i tear up thinking if i my dad could have had something like this Mm. you know like our household would have been so much happier and i get that guys have a lot of stories like that but you see them approaching it a little bit differently i think yeah yeah absolutely man so that's a ramble. This is just a topic that I'm pretty charged about because yeah, the industry's the industry's kind of funny that way. Well, and that's why I appreciate you and respect you for for just taking ownership of it. You know, that's at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter how successful any of us are. You know, I, when I first started Rising Man, I'll admit, you know, I I I was pursuing like the the most downloads and I wanted the most people, you know, I, I was thinking big. I was like, cause, cause that's, right. that's what, it, that's what the measure of success was when I first started yeah. back in 2017. It was, well, if it's anything that's worth its, its weight in gold, then it's going to influence the masses. Right. And, and genuinely I wanted to influence a lot of people, but at some point I recognized, well, that's not really the point. And that's actually not what I want to do. It's not even what I'm compelled to do. I'm not compelled to lead a million man organization. In fact, I, I want to go deep with the guys who, who get what rising man is about. And, and that's where we, we kind of, we've been making this pivot in the past year to really hone in on the guys who are here, who really get it. The guys who are invested to build something that'll last, not just something that guys will identify and associate themselves with for a while and then drift off because they realize, well, it's not really, it's not really that personal. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. I really love how you, how you guys are transitioning it. I, I really align with that. And what I observed in running this men's group for entrepreneurs was that like a lot of these guys have these huge missions. Again, it doesn't 
really come from like when you spend enough time with them, you start to realize that it doesn't might not come from the healthiest place. Mm-hmm. I got one friend who's like trying to impact a billion people in his lifetime by doing solar farms in India and all of these big lofty projects. He's doing it and good on him because people have to do that stuff. But then he's the dick to the waiter mm. where he's like, he's like really unreliable friend, mm. you know, or like, you know, you get, so it's like, what is making, what is a bigger impact? You know, is it, because I have friends that aren't don't have big lofty goals like that, and they just work jobs, but they're like they make everybody's day everywhere they go. See what ripple effect does that have to those people? You know, well, I don't know. That's why when when I get to be in your seat on on a podcast and I get to be the guest, and somebody introduces me, they say, "Okay, can I get your bio?" One of the first things I put in my bio is that I'm a husband and a father, because I feel like, man, if I'm screwing up on those two things, then none of this other stuff actually matters. Right, that's totally. the whole reason I'm doing any of this in the first place. And who decided that you know being a a social media influencer was was more worthy and impactful than being a good father and a loyal husband right like when did yeah, we decide totally. that yeah and 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 this is something you learn in men's groups or you observe if anybody's any man who's in a men's group for long enough as long as it's a decent one we'll, we'll, we'll realize humans are operating on a lot of them like an old emotional hardwiring that like doesn't really serve us and 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 we're, we can be telling stories to ourselves that aren't true and so anytime like i i hear people wanting to do something like that's super lofty or whatever like i i kind of at this point now i'm always a little suspect i'm like i don't think that's probably coming from a super healthy place <laughs> you know like like you, yeah i hear the story you're telling me but like i see how you're feeling when you're telling me it and then i see how you're showing up in the world and like it's it's really been i found it's been super beneficial to question my motives and my story and my my stories and my impulses in that way and then that's led me to, to realize that a lot of people are running on like narratives and stories and operating programming that they are uneven aware of you know yeah. they're, they're not aware of as well well and and not only to question them and be curious about them but to be honest right to achieve that level of honesty which you know coming full circle that's that's why i believe that this work is so valuable and yes we can establish trust inside of a men's circle very quickly by some of the things we mentioned a lot earlier on in the show and i know that the the only thing you can't compensate for is time and repetitions there's there's no way you can't accelerate past time repetitions and experience you can have very deep experiences that create a bigger burst of trust in a moment, but lifelong type of trust. The, the, the people who will show up for you when, when everything does really fall to shit, not just hypothetically, but when you really need people to show up, when you're unraveled. We lost a, a dear brother of ours in the community earlier this year. This is like a younger brother to me. He passed away from an accidental overdose. My best friend's younger brother knew him since he was 12 years old, happened oh, suddenly and tragically. And I was able to be with my friend and his family within the first hour that they found out Yeah, and everybody in our community swarmed in from all over at times of COVID, right. To, to just to, to show up for each other. And how many people really have that? How, how many people have prioritized investing in relationships over investing in real estate or the stock market, you know? Oh man. So few. Yeah. And that's why, that's why so many people are unhappy and that's why, you know, depression and suicide rates, anxiety rates are so high. And that's why, yeah people are struggling, you know, because they don't have those outlets. And this isn't just opinion. It's like the stats show like five, you know, 40 years ago, they, the average man in North America had four confidants Mm -hmm. that he could talk to about his life. And today the answer is less than one. It's actually close to 0.5, which means that half the men in North America have nobody to talk to. Nobody, not one, not a single person. And then we wonder why in that same time, you know, the, the anxiety rates, the violent crime rates, the suicide rates of all the incarceration rates of all 
climb for men it's like well fuck <laughs> i mean how could it not yeah i mean yeah it's it's a it's i think it's a formula that people really just don't want to reconcile in their own heads i mean it's you can't really argue with the numbers it doesn't take a rocket scientist to string it all together but i mean when you lay it out that way it is yeah it's really simple and, and i've also experienced personally and witnessed personally the amount of relief that's available when a man can share his deepest pain and have it mirrored back and received by somebody else the more the better right the more yeah. people that you can look at and whose hands are up saying me too bro like I'm right there. Um, man, it's, it's like sheets of depression and anxiety just seem to fall off and, and crack yes. right before my eyes. Yeah. Yeah, we're not hardwired to be in isolation like that, especially with our problems. You yeah. know, like two million years we were living in tribes and huts and going out hunting with guys every day. And like, we're met, we'd share everything with our families and even sex lives. You'd see your family having sex or, you know, your neighbors that are whatever. And like, yeah, we're not, we're not hardwired to be in isolation, especially when it comes to challenges. And that's why the sheets of depression and anxiety are there. And I've, I've, I've observed the exact same thing in groups. Probably the most beneficial thing of, from being a part of a men's group is just like that weight that's lifted when you realize that other people are going through similar things. I don't know why this is our default, but humans always seem to default to, I'm the only one with this problem. Only and then that becomes a pressure cooker, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Without go this, maybe this is for like chapter two of this conversation. But I think there's something convenient in there. It if 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 I can build up a story like that martyr victim story around I'm the only one, then it's it doesn't really inspire any taking any corrective action or, or being the solution. And so, which also is not very easy to see in isolation. So it's one more reason why we need each other to see those things. Sean, man, I just, I really enjoy talking to you, dude. Uh, time, time flies and we got to start wrapping this thing up here. But what I'd like to do is just kind of, so we can clean this up nice and nice and tidy. Uh, I want to ask you a few questions on the way out and then give you some space to talk about what you're doing. So people know. Yeah, hit me. All right. Great. Uh, yeah. All right, here we go. Lightning round. Ready? So what is one thing you've learned in your life you wish you knew when you were 18? The life is an inside, inside journey. Yeah, awesome. Life is an in inside process fuck i forget how the actual quote goes it's like life is an inside game i like you know, that it's like the more that i address this stuff the easier the stuff on the outside gets whether that be finances or love or sex or whatever nice that's a good one uh and what do you think is the most important value to have as a man taking responsibility for your emotions and reactions and how you show up in the world you know like a lot of people don't do that they take the shit out on other people and that drives me insane because like you know it's like you're, you're, you're kind of being a coward for not addressing your own stuff because it feels uncomfortable. And then you're directing it at other people. Mm. Like, come on, bro. Yeah. Take it. Ownership. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, last but not least, where do you, would you like people to follow you, find out what you're doing? Tell us about the work that you're doing and how people can get involved. Yeah, man. It's just mensgroup.com. And we have free men's groups we run there so that people can check it out and see if it's a good fit. We have free discussion community there. We also have uh, paid groups for guys that want to be more committed and want to be in groups with guys that are like really do, doing the work or whatever. You know, we're like up to thousands of members now. So typically, typically any issue a guy's going through, there'll be other guys in the community who are going through similar things and and lots of friendships being built and, and great conversations being had there. So yeah, I just recommend guys go over to the community, drop in your email on the website there and and uh, get access to that free stuff and then, and then see how it goes. And I just want to encourage guys to like, on that, on that point of like, what I think is most important. It's like, it's like just whether it's a men's group or some other kind of tool or whether it's one of men's group.com or another men's group or, or like what Jetty's doing, you know, it's like, 
just try things. You know, I tried a hundred different things along the way, just like deal with some of these issues that came up with porn or addictions or my relationships or emotions or communication. And it's like, eventually I found things that worked for me. So it's, it's, it's nothing, it's not much different than anything else, but I just want to encourage you to get out there and start trying stuff, even books, podcasts, whatever, just like take that step. And then of course, you're going to need to find other people to take the next step with because it's basically impossible to do it alone. There's stats that show that, you know, a negative person in your life is six times more impactful than a positive person. And so a lot of men end up in the situation where they're like, they want to make a change in their life. They're like, okay, I recognize I need to stop drinking or, okay, I recognize I need to set boundaries or I recognize that I need to like communicate better and get into my emotions. And they look around and nobody there is supportive. Nobody around them is supportive of that. Mm. Right. And so that's where a men's group comes in. Yeah. Or, or even just a, you know, a, a self-improvement community, like what we have going on at men's group. So hey. yeah, I, I hope we uh, see some of you guys there. That's awesome, man. Uh, well, again, I uh, appreciate your, your wisdom, your, your honesty and, and your willingness to just bear it all. Uh, it's a really cool conversation. It's great to get to know you in this conversation a little bit more. And yeah, man, I look forward to circling back in the future and hearing more about what you guys are up to. It's so cool to hear how many men from how, how many different regions of the world are stepping into the work you're doing, man. So thanks again for being on here today. Thanks for the kind words, Jody. Kind words, Jody. And we, we need guys like you doing this stuff too. So I'm really inspired by what you're, you're doing and, and like chatting with you, somebody like you who shares my vision and values and feels like a brother. It's like, you know, that keeps me going, especially through, through the, the difficult times. So I've really gotten a lot out of this and, and I look forward to talking with you more, man. Oh, well, thank you, man. I really received that. And uh, yeah, we'll set up a, another conversation in the future. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. And, uh, and I hope to talk to you guys soon. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that jam-packed episode. Please check out risingman.org for all the opportunities we have for you to get more involved and links and resources for this episode and every episode of the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to us and give us a subscribe over at the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the rising man movement. Big ups to the whole rising man community. All you guys who've been tuning in, whether it's your first episode or your 300th episode, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for everything you do to keep this movement moving. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.